Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the Gallant View podcast. We're doing a, a roundup of last weekend's uh, English Premier League. Um, we thought we'd do a bit of a, a bit of a show this evening. So there's a few positive, there's a few uh, um, European qualifiers ahead this week. So we thought we'd get a, a pod in tonight just to kind of cover the weekend games. As ever, I'm not just myself. I am Jamie Royals, obviously here hosting it, but I've got two other podcasters with me this evening. Um, Colin, how's things? I'm very well, Jamie. Um, evening, gents. Evening, listeners. Or morning, if you're listening to it um, oh. in the morning, I suppose. It's very nice of us to consider the Rangers, James, eh? because this is, in <laughs> fact, not a Liverpool podcast, as some of the <laughs> listeners keep on keep on mentioning. Um, but no, nice to chat through a, a very busy weekend in the EPL. Good one. Thank you very much. Always good to have you on board. And Johnny, how's things? Hi, Jamie. Hi, Colin. I'm good, mate. Uh, great to be back. Can't wait to start talking about Liverpool. We're going to dive down. You see the top of the agenda. I thought, where else can we start? We go in reverse order, and you're going to start with that good old chant of Nunes, Nunes, Nunes. I don't see how we can start anywhere else apart from what a Super Sunday. I'm still riding a bit of a high. Uh, for those that don't know, um, we won what I would class as. Not a winnable game. Um, one nil down. Uh, Liverpool found themselves one nil down um, for after twenty five minutes. Um, uh, up against it, down to ten men, and somehow Colin Liverpool managed to get the three points. Um, what was your observations of the game? Anything that jumped out? Um, and, and you know, obviously the 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 aftermath at the end of it as well. It's 2023 and we all work very hard not to be offensive and have cliches or stereotypes, but it's really hard not to make the comparison to the shouters being robbing bastards yesterday. Honestly, <laughs> um, I'm saying that in a very endearing way. Like It was a, it was a masterclass smashing grab. Klopp done so well. Um, I, I think I, we speak... Well, I know you're going to watch Lyrical about Liverpool, but I'll take you for the Newcastle point of view. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, they had a really good season last year. All eyes are on how do they how do they manage a season like that again, and as well as Europe. And that's been one farm. I think we need to wait and see how all the clubs competing in Europe for the first time in a long time do with the midweek fixtures. Um, before then, you do need to get a few landmarks ticked off, and this was a landmark for Newcastle. This was a big, big fixture. Um, make sure they can compete with Liverpool. Then the Liverpool go down to 10 men, they won the up. It's the fact that they've not won that, it's a major blow to the confidence for Newcastle, I think, and anyhow. Um, I, I know it's not even September yet, but mm-hmm. I think that in two, three, four months' time, we might be looking at as maybe the one of the first turning points in Newcastle's season. And Johnny, um, 
from from you know a straightforward question: Did did Liverpool win that? Or did Newcastle throw it away? What was what would be the better take? From what I took from the game, I thought uh, Liverpool. Uh, sorry, Newcastle chucked it. Um, I think the they had the game under control. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, they had the odd, you know, the odd uh, flutter. They're always going to have that with such a dangerous attack. But for Newcastle were tight, they were compact, and they started minimising the game and trying to close the space that Liverpool had, and they were doing it well. And then Eddie Howe stepped in and made (laughs) all these subs. I was absolutely baffled at the time. I still am. Um, Don't get me wrong, he's a manager, I'm not, I know that. Um, But he hooks Tenali... Gordon, now Gordon has been a wee bit suspect, but he was easily having his best game for Newcastle. Yep, yep, got um, the goal. Yeah, and he played well. He was doing a, a hell of a lot of cover and a lot of grass on the pitch. He, and he hooked Isaac as well. So he brings on Wilson, Longstaff and uh, Barnes. Now, there's nothing wrong with him coming on. Maybe Longstaff's pretty much a poundland substitution, if I'm honest. But it completely remove the rhythm. If you if you're up 2-0, that's that's fine. If you're up 2-0, you're commanding, you're against 10 men, you can do that. You can afford to do that. But it was one nil. The game is in the balance. Now against a lot of teams you'll get away with that. But Liverpool you won't. They're one of the most dangerous counter-attacking teams in the league. And they can punish you. Especially with what they do what they have up top. And they have strength off the bench as well, which we see in Manunes. So he done that. It goes to one one and then he takes off Joe Linton and Botman as well. This is all part of the defensive shape. He pretty much took half of that defensive shape off the pitch and uh, kind of invited it. And then we've got a smash and grab to Liverpool. It's, I don't know what I mean. I, I couldn't make much sense of it. I know that he's trying to rest, uh, get, not overdo it. But in a game so close and so much on the uh, so much on the win, it would have been an excellent three points. And I feel like he just shot the bed. Um and fair play to Nunes. I've been critical of Nunes before. Um, he's really, really guilty at lashing at stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just the lad really, really trying to do well. You know, probably trying too hard. But he was composed, he was cool, and he drilled both goals into the bottom corner. So, I don't know, mate. I just feel like, yeah, they shot their on the foot. Colin, just to not turn it into a Liverpool podcast as we do, but I think we have to make a mention of probably the best save of the season so far, um, and that was Allison's uh, from Almiron. He palmed it up onto the bar to stop it from going to 2-0. Abs- absolutely exceptional save, wasn't it? We've been critical of Allison, um, particularly last week. The boy's feet. I... It's nice to see that he's remembered he's, he's not a centre mid and um, he's pulled <laughs> off the basics, but you know, that is why he's in the conversation and one of the best in the world. Um, it's no way about how he does, how he plays the ball. It's no way his distribution. It's the reflex saves that he does. It's an absolute world. It really, really is. And that's what you that's what you need for your, for your, your keepers of your so-called bigger teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we say it at Rangers all the time when, you know, you're playing, you're playing backs against the wall. You, you're no always having to pull off save after save after save. And I know this wasn't anything like um, a Rangers and Mern, for example. But Alison, that's, that was out of nowhere. And that save, it wasn't Ooh. as if he was bombarded constantly. And just to pull that off, it was amazing. And he does do that time and time again. It's not the first time we've seen that, not the last time. But certainly redeemed himself um, from from last week. 
Yeah, I think we released a stat this morning that says that that was um, he made seven saves yesterday, which is the highest he's had to save in a single game in the Premier League since he joined Liverpool. So that kind of gives you a time. Going back to what Johnny was saying, they, they were having the chances, they were prepping the goal, but they just weren't getting that second goal for whatever reason. They'd hit the post, they'd hit the bar. Um, the longer it went 1-0, the more you could see Liverpool snatching a draw. And to be honest, you know, everybody I was with yesterday, we were calling, you know, we get this one each, we get out a St. James's Park with a draw, no damage done, off we go. No way did we think we were going to get another one, but you could see when that goal went in, you could see they were nervous of Nunes' running, and he did exactly the same. He ripped them, and he probably got them two yards ahead, um, and it was just, you know, see you later. So very, very chuffed with that, um, you know, to come away from that. Um one more question, guys. Um, there's been a lot of talk today on, you know, the, the vid card for Virgil. I'm not going to ask you to debate whether that was a sending off or not. Um, he's going to get um, a game match ban for his red card. But a lot of people are asking for an extension to the ban based on Virgil van Dijk's arguing with the ref before leaving the pitch. Now, bearing in mind, there's meant to be a zero tolerance um, to, um, you know, the refs. These days, what what do you think? Obviously, from what you see, that um, do you think it was excessive? Do you think? I mean, very odd not to show emotion at that point, isn't it? Uh, Colin, I'll come to you first. Sorry. How often do I say I'm into the emotional side again? But how how far do you go to police it? If, you know, it's very easy to clamp it down, clamp it down, clamp it down until eventually somebody sneezes on the way off the pitch and you mm. add an extra game on there. No, I don't think um, I don't think we should add an extra an extra match ban on there. I think they're doing enough um, to police the time wasting so far. I think the message is getting across. We're seeing players getting red guarded for it. Um, I don't know if you've got to come to Trent. I think that's maybe a bit more of a talking point. Um, Trent's um, bookings and non-bookings, but. The message is getting across. I don't think you need to take all emotion out of the game straight away. Um, it's a spectator sport. Um, I know the commentators always say scenes we don't like to see, but we all love to see it. So that can get in the bin. I don't think there's any issue with, with Van Dijk to speak to the referee. If the referee did, um, did have an issue with it, you know, how many times have you seen a second red card or whatever? Yeah. That's done to the referee. Let's not start re-refereeing games, especially in the stoppage of play. Yeah. Johnny, what about yourself? There was obviously a lot of flashpoints yesterday. We could go. We could probably spend another half an hour talking about all the flashpoints, but I was just conscious that this one is now still ongoing with people asking for more. You hear that? That's my ban hammer. Bam. <laughs> Double ban him. Double ban him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'd be ridiculous, mate. Um, the punishment's enough. I mean, if, you get to, if he does something awful or has a pop at somebody, you know, if it's like violent conduct, then you might want to consider that. Especially if he's doing it on the way off the pitch. But he pretty much just questioned the ref. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a very, very dangerous line they're, they're taking it down. I do, like I said, this couple of, when we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I love the side there where they're going to cut out the play acting and the time wasting and that kind of thing. I think that was needed. But they're going to be hammering everybody for everything. So, and then it starts becoming almost like a police thing. You know, they're, they're going to come down on absolutely everything. And then they're going to remove exactly what Colin says. The emotion for the game is going to be gone. They're going to start stripping it. And then it becomes almost robotic. I don't like that. Um, having said that, I thought Trent, I agree with him. I think Trent should have gone. 
Um, and he admitted that he sell, to be fair to him in his interview. He said he sell that um, probably on most other days he would have got a red card. Um, and it would have been so bloody stupid. But it's what we're seeing, what we spoke about last week. We see more of it this week. People picking up a needless first yellow card, getting the second yellow, putting themselves on a tightrope. And he done exactly that. Um, so it was, it was madness. He was very, very lucky to get away with it. I thought the ref was lenient in that sense. If it put on the flip side of that, mate, if that, he hadn't been booked and he'd done that challenge, he's booked in a heartbeat straight away. You can't have it both ways. I think the ref did well to manage the situation, though. He was under a lot of pressure. I think he did well to manage it. I think we do advocate for the refs to manage the situations a little bit more. I don't necessarily I just, have an issue with it, but I get I get the point. I just think that it's either one way or another. You know, if you're going to bring in subjective and the ref and letting him what, what he wants to do, that's fine. But you kind of pick and choose the games to do it. You know, that will happen in a game at the same kickoff and another player will go for that. Mm-hmm. So, again, it comes back to, I think, they're putting themselves a wee bit, maybe in a wee bit too deep and it's going to cause problems. I, I think ultimately it makes it harder on the ref itself and we see it off of the border time time again where they get, a, a, they get a call wrong and it's stuck in their head so they then try and make up for that. But that's not their role in the game. That's to do it at a point in time, not um, 15 minutes ago or two minutes ago because then... Um, Ultimately, you have the rest spending the rest of the night and minutes just trying to balance it out as opposed mm-hmm. to making the decisions. And well, I, I think, think I think that's exactly what happens because if you look at mm-hmm. Trent's first card, Trent is blatantly shoved off the ball into the into the advertising holding boards, and he throws the ball away petulance and he gets a booking for it. And that's because he doesn't get the free kick. And I think the ref realizes that, and he lets him away with one to some extent. That you know, to the next one, the same. Well, manage the situation. You know, watch yourself. Be more. You know, don't don't be so silly. But yeah, it, it it all stems from him making the wrong judgment, in my opinion, at the very beginning of it, because Trent would never have, you know, shown emotion if you like, and and you know, tossed the ball away. Um, but it's it, I I do believe there's going to be about three or four more weeks of all this. We're going to see more of it. Um, we talked about the red cards last week, about the amount of volume that we've got um, compared to previous seasons. I think there's a couple more weeks away from this probably starting to die down. Um, but not to say, as I say, we, we, we can't spend all time talking about Liverpool games. We do have some other important games that, we, that we've got on. Um, and the next one up was, um, uh, well, I'm not going to call it a lucky win, but I'm going to call it a typical win. And that was from Man City um, right before the Liverpool game. Um, no pep, no problem. Haaland misses a penalty, then scores, a, then still manages to get on the scorecard. Um, Johnny, you you watched the game. What was your thoughts on the game itself? Sheffield United did well, didn't they? They did, mate. Uh, quite surprising. Uh, you surprised me anyway. The I thought they were excellent. They they they, they chased everything. They, they never really gave up on the game. Done incredibly well to get back into the game. Um, I think in the end, probably what I've done them was just the, the difference in quality. Maybe a couple of players, you know. But I mean, it was a, they gave us a really good account of their sale, and it's probably a promising sign going forward. If they can maintain that kind of standard, uh, they should be able to pick up some points. Um, Grealish was probably the standout for me in the mm-hmm. game. Um, he was pretty much at the heart of it every attack when he went forward and he won them so he's such a clever player for such a for such a decade off the pitch on you know on the pitch 
because yeah, you, you get the impression he's not the sharpest tool, you know, in the shed. But then when you go on the pitch, some of the decisions he makes and the way he, he, he can, like, pull a free kick for pretty much anybody. He can pull yellow cards. And some folk will say, oh, he likes a dive and that, but he doesn't. He's very, very clever. You know, he I think always he's very clever at sucking people in, isn't he? Yeah. It's not necessarily always, what he does, he sucks them in. There's always contact, majority of the time. Um, and it's always excellent free kicks. And even at the weekend, you've seen him. They were afraid to... It got to the stage where I think it was Egan was afraid to actually challenge him. He was dancing on the edge of the box and he put that ball and it was pinpoint for Haaland's head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was excellent. And Haaland didn't really have the best day. He was involved in everything again, but spurned quite a few chances, obviously missed the penalty, but got his goal in the end. Um, one thing I did note, and it's something that we spoke about before, was remember we said a few pods ago that Rodri is maybe looking like he's getting a wee bit more free then. I kind of oh. got that impression again on Saturday. Yeah, he was always on the edge of the box looking for the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, City done enough, but yeah, Sheffield done well, fair play to them, they done well. Um, I'll let you, I'll let Colin talk about the uh, Kyle Walker because that was hilarious. Well, I was actually going to call in free reign to talk about how well Fotheringham did, considering, you know, uh, X-Rangers stalwarts. Because I thought Fotheringham had an outstanding game. Well, um, as founder of the Paul Heckenbottom Loyal, I am not surprised <laughs> how well Sheffield United... Um, hold on, let me just <laughs> fix my smug tie when you all laughed me out the door when I said I think we'll have a decent season. Obviously, <laughs> it doesn't even... Just to clarify, they still lost. <laughs> ah, they still lost. That's the way they lost, Jamie. <laughs> um no, I thought Fordham did uh, have a really good game. And like, when he left Rangers, like, listeners to remember that it was one of the very, very hard um, decisions where Alan McGregor was probably reaching his peak, um, which sounds mental because he was 92 at the time. But he was, um, he was excellent. Fordham was solid enough to be a Rangers number one, but just Alan McGregor was that wee bit better. But he knew Fordham was going to go and continue to develop. And I thought that was a great move. And he was solid in the championship. And um, I'm pleased for him. He's a, he's always been a decent keeper, um, decent guy to have around the, the dressing room. So I personally, like, I'm, like, I'm glad to see he's doing well down there. Um, it's all fine and well saying, like me saying Sheffield United done well and saying that, but they do need to start. Like, that, that, would, that would have been a great point if they had held off. They, they really would have. Um, um, but at the same time, I wouldn't get too down on it because it is Man City, even without Pep. It's, it's fucking Man City. And Johnny said, said that there as well. I thought Jack Grealish was the best player in the park, but. Harland like, involved in everything. He doesn't need to play well to pop up the goals. Um, they're just so dangerous for everywhere. Just to kind of echo on Rodri as well, but I I think he might be up there as your, as your main man this year um, for for Man City. That that Gundogan spot um, where everything goes through him in the midfield. I'd, I'd never really seen him like that uh, in the last couple of years. I always thought he was going to be your anchor. You're almost a hard man to use an old phrase, but I don't know. You so maybe watch him closer than me. Do you like? Can he have that level of dynamism throughout the season? I think he's. I think he's in. He's in a transition period where he's moving from the uh, the Busquets role into a more prominent, as Johnny said, like he, he, he hangs around the edge of the box. He gets involved in the headers and stuff. He's not there just to win the tackles now. Uh, Johnny, I'll ask you this, right? 
If Declan Rice is 105 million and Casado is 115, how much do you pay for Rodri? Oh, I would mean, I mean, knock off about 30 million when he did all his whining about Scotland. But <laughs> nah, he's he's a quality player, mate. He's just uh, he's very, very classy. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with him because obviously they're trying to bring in uh, the lad Nunes and uh, mm-hmm. they're sniffing about other players too. So I don't know if that would change a perspective on where they play him. But I mean, I think everything's been proven that he can do it. Um, but yeah, you would be talking silly money, mate. Colin, that'll bring us on to our next game. Um, probably one of the most surprising um, results of the weekend, and uh, that was West Ham away to Brighton. Um, for the, I think we knew there was going to be goals, but I didn't see a three-one win from West Ham coming in. Did you? What I watched this was honestly like I, I thought three-one would have been a fair prediction, but for the other way, um, I was. I don't know why I was more surprised. Brighton didn't play poorly. They created chance after chance, but they weren't clinical at all. But Moyes played an absolute masterclass man. It's just soaking up. Getting his team to soak up pressure and be lethal on the counter. Um, I didn't really rate that. Big Antonio, I think we spoke about him <laughs> recently on the pod. Um, since October, and all of a sudden I, he pops up back to back. But even out with the goals, man, he absolutely battered the Brighton centre-halves. Um mm-hmm. What I really liked about West Ham was the timing of the runs and like the late runs. You've seen it with Ward Prowse, you've seen it was a was a boat uh, Bowen. Bowen um got the third goal. Just held off, held off. And obviously the pass has to have the right execution. But the timing of the run it's an absolute work of art. Um mm-hmm. it really is. Um but you've seen that time and time again for West Ham uh, at Brighton, they just sat deep. Made sure they weren't exposed and then buying an explosive run. And Brighton, I was really surprised that time and time again they didn't pick it up. They were, they were shocked. And I've seen people say that nobody's really setting up that way against Brighton. A lot of people have been trying to go toe to toe, but maybe it has been Moyes just doing a, a bit of a masterclass. But that's a huge result for West Ham. Um, huge result. Gives Moyes a wee bit of, of favour now when, when he needs it. Johnny, I seen a I seen a graphic, um, pretty much just you know halfway through the first half, it showed something like Brighton had completed two hundred and twelve passes, and West Ham had completed something like seventeen in the same time space. They they weren't in the game at all up until the goals went in, did they? Yeah, Brighton. If you want to be honest, take away the goals, Brighton were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think West Ham by the end of it had. 22% possession, which is mental. Mental for a 3-1, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but Brighton weren't clinical. You know, they had a hell of a lot of chances. I've seen flashes for the lad Ferguson. Um, some lovely, lovely touches. I think he, he's going to be a problem for a lot of defences. But West Ham, they just, they've done the same with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought Chelsea probably played better than them. But that clinical edge. Um, and they've never had that before. I don't... I wouldn't put money on on and I'm sorry on Antonio continuing that because he tends to go hot and cold. But um, the Ward Prowse, um, Bowen, obviously they've just got Kudas and uh, Alvarez now as well. I slated them pre-season mm-hmm. because they had brought nobody in. You know, I was like they're, they're in trouble. Uh, I thought Moyes would be the first out of the door. I mean, it's still time for that, but. 
I think they've signed really well. So it looks like a hope. I mean, he might be proving me wrong. If he does, fair play. I think if any of the top world stars scores that goal that Jared Bowen scores, they'd be talking about it for, for years. That the, the whole pass, the time of the run, traps it with one foot on the run and pings it with his left. You might not remember this, but Salah did that to West Ham about three years ago. Um, down at West Ham, there was like a long ball that come in, and they were raving about it, calling it goal of the season. Jared Bowen's goal was right up there. That was fantastic. What you know, that was arguably the best goal this season so far. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's looked excellent in all our games um, yeah. so far. Ariola was. I bet he played really well, didn't he? Yeah. Night saves. And, and, that, and that's, a, and that's a, 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 that's a big thing, Colin. Is that we we spoke about Moise and obviously some of the, you know, not selection headaches he's got, but in terms of trying to get the right setup for the team. From this season, he's made a big call with his goalkeepers because he's he's got he's still got Fabianski, who has arguably been the West Ham number one for like the last seven years. But he's went with uh, Ariola, um, which is probably a big call, but proven to be the right call, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah, I think it has been a brave call. I, I wasn't too sure it was going to work out because I don't think either of them are the greatest of keepers um, at that level. If I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but he, he is going to have to continue to make big goals. Um, I, I don't know if I'm putting too much into this. Um, that, this performance, the the way he set up and done it against Chelsea as well, it's mm-hmm. you're not always going to get three goals for that type of tactics, right? And when you don't and you're sneaking 1-0 wins, it's not going to be the prettiest of games. And there is a bit... <sighs> There's a bit more of an impatience down south um, to like do that at home or to do that against the teams around you. There is a bit more of an expectation to go out and go to Toby teams, especially teams around you. I wonder how long he'll continue this for. Um, well, I, I think he will work. I think he probably is one of the better tactics. Um, soak up pressure, hitting the break. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to that, um, the fans getting on your back, where do, you, where do they see themselves? Do you think West Ham fans would take that for another 40 games a season? I suppose the big question is, is what do we think is the target for West Ham this year? Bearing in mind they won a European trophy last year and they finished, let's say it was 16th, I think it was. Um, do we expect them to be challenging the top eight or do we just expect them just to be closer to the top eight? Johnny? Caught me off guard, apologies. Um... I think for West Ham, really, it's if they can get another wee run in Europe, I mean, chances of them doing it again are very, very slim. Uh, I think they just need to improve domestically. Uh, I don't remember the number. I think it was 20 games they lost last year. Mm-hmm. That's off the top of my head. That's that's a lot. Um, yeah. And that was pretty much where the friction towards, well, sections of the fans came from. And they felt like the European trophy papered over the, the, the cracks, which it probably did. But it was still a, a, a wonderful achievement. So, yeah, I think they have to improve domestically. But it's a lot to balance, as Collins mentioned before, the European factor, plus with such a heavy domestic schedule, um, you need depth. And he has signed well, but I don't know if there's enough to, to fight on all those fronts. And talking about papering over the cracks, that brings us to some of the games on Saturday. Um, Colin, um, I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts on uh, United's performance. Um, they ran out 3-2 winners against a very astute Nottingham Forest um, who were who found themselves 2-0 up very early on in the game. 
what was your thoughts on the game and uh, and uh, the Rashford penalty? Shall we say? Uh, <laughs> I, f- I felt for Nottingham Forest. I thought they've, um, they've done so well to, to get in the lead and then they competed really well. Um, I know you've put in the agenda, man, you lucky, question mark. And um, ah, yeah. I know the better, better team is always the one that scores more scores, but I did think Nottingham Forest deserves something out of this game. Mm-hmm. He said paper over cracks there. They, it looks as if they tried to bring in um, Christian Eriksen in the, in the middle of the park um, to play alongside um, Casemiro. Um, I don't quite think he's your man that we needed. We we were talking last week about need a wee bit more stability, um, sort of a wee bit more protection in front of the defence to allow your ball players to go and do. I don't think Christian Eriksen brings you that. And again, I find. I thought time and time again, um, Casemiro was left just to mop up on, on his own, or at times when Casemiro went forward, Ericsson doesn't quite have that tactical news, so I, I don't think, I don't see him as that type of player. They've got guys like McDominay and that on the bench, and it's not as sexy as the names, uh, if you're a Man U fan, but I think I think that's probably got to be the better option. I think they do need to get... Get a grippy, just keeping the ball and recycling it well in the middle of the park, especially at home. Um, they, they should they should be less wasteful on on the ball than what they have been. Johnny, just just, just touching on what Colin was saying there, I seen I think it was a match that he showed the replay. Um, a one year scores the first goal, but at the moment he receives the ball, it's a it's a Man United corner, and the ball's kind of taking a break. Comes to the halfway line in the air. Somebody jumps for a header, misses it, and a one year's away. The closest person to a one year was Marcus Rashford. That's an attacking Man United corner, and none of the defenders are on the halfway line helping that out. That's what I mean by probably paping over the cracks, because we expected Man United to be a lot more defensively astute, you know, with Martinez, Varane, De Brota, the new keeper, Onana. Um, I'm not seeing much of that, but, but I'm keen to get your thoughts on on uh, how they're performing at the moment as a, as a unit? Yeah, I mean, similar to what we touched on last week, um, they do look a bit thinner. Uh, you need that confidence. You know, it works right up the pitch. Your goalkeeper needs confidence in defence. Defence needs it in the midfield and so on and so forth. Um, and if that's not there, I think that's when mistakes start getting made. I see. I know what you were talking about because Rashford absolutely motored try to catch him, but one he's a big lad and he's quick. Um both of their goals were, were awful uh, at the back. The one that was um, that Bolly, Bolly. kind of, I think, it, I don't even know if he headed it. Was it a header? I um, don't think he knew anything about it. Yeah, it kind of just <laughs> came off. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, if you watch it, the, there was like four, four of them around them. And uh, immediately you had another two, forget who, were right beside them. And they just ball watched you know that, but they actually watched the flight of the ball. It came off them into the net, and it was, you know, it was like shell shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Forrest done really well earlier on because we've, we've kind of spoke about how they've been starting really slowly, a wee bit lackluster, and Forrest just went at them and caught them, you know, like a rabbit in the headlights. So uh, yeah, I thought they were unlucky not to get something. What did they do? Is McTominay the answer? I don't know. I think. I mean, I, I don't dislike McTominay. But I've said it before, if you're looking for a title challenge, I don't think he's it. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's a lot of players in that squad you can put in that bracket, to be fair. Um, They've got a problem at left-back now as well, haven't they? Because Luke Shaw looks to be out to be a couple of months. And apparently, yeah. if you believe the Twitter reports today, that they've uh, they've inquired about Cucurella on loan, Marcus Alonso on loan. That sounds very desperate, doesn't it? I'll drive Cucurella there, mate. I'll pick him up tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Was you know at Spurs? I think he was another one that had been mentioned. Yeah, it feels a bit scattergun, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so... I don't know. I feel like the the whole Man United are kind of in a transition. They done well last year. They improved. They want to improve again, and they're trying to make it work. Um, so I think it's one of the things time will tell me. But I think they were lucky to pull out with out of that game with three points. I thought the red card was harsh as well. By the way, I wasn't convinced that that was a a goal scorer. I was just I thought that there was cover. It looked like the ball was angled, and the lad I think it was ball. He was coming at the back. So I was a wee bit surprised at that, but yeah. Um, and to keep it of so, so I suppose my first question still stands in: Does that win paper over the cracks, Colin? No, um, cracks still no, there. Cracks still there. Um, and not a, like in case um, <laughs> in case I'm buying and then McTominay jump too much. I think Johnny's made that point there. McTominay's not the answer, but I think a player in that mould has to be a priority over the next two or three days before the window. I don't know how much money they've got to spend because they have spent big over the last couple of windows as well. And I think they probably felt they had enough covering that, but I think I think Man U are going to get goals. They're going to get goals this year. They are. It's probably some of the, the Liverpool conundrum where... You know, games like this, I will concede too, but we're going to score three. That's fine. You won't be able to do that at the Etihad at Anfield. Even at Old Trafford against teams who are going to come and have a go at you. Um, because if, if your basis is, is fine, we'll just outscore them. You're always going to run the risk um, of your strikers have a blank finish. So I do think McTominay's not the answer. They, they need... They do need an anchor. They do. Need, they play with this double pivot in midfield. They need somebody alongside who, who, who can be solid enough to complement Casemiro. Um, then obviously opens up the question about depth as well. Because if you're relying on these two players for the whole system, it tick one of them danger suspended weather. But I think that's um, that's step two, step three. But I think they need to get somebody in over the next two days. And Johnny, finally, was was that a penalty? Rashford? Um, you know, I watched it quite a few times, mate, and I really couldn't make my mind up. Uh, it was really just more like a knock your knees um, mm. at the most. Was it enough to go down? It doesn't take much now, mate. It really doesn't. Uh, we see it week in, week out, you know, the, 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 the standard the, or the level we class as a foul now especially in the box, is dropped substantially. It really, really doesn't take much. So you've got a winger who's running at full pelt at speed and causing havoc. You can't really afford to go near him. You know, and that's the sad part. That's just the way the game's going. So I can see why you gave it. If it was against me, I'd probably be fizzing, but I can understand it. I think if I'm honest, it reminded me of, do you remember Zobersly's one against Bournemouth? Like, wasn't running at full pelt. It was harsh, but I'm going to scream for it all day if it's in my team. 
You know, it's one of those ones, it's, it's the ugly ones that you go, oh. Um, but I do believe they, they, they kind of got away with um, a lucky three points in that one. Colin, that brings on to the next game, um, uh, which was also, um, I, 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 shall we say, a nice shock to the system. And that was Arsenal 2, Fulham 2. Um, I don't know if you've seen um, the goals, but um, it's not very often... Uh, Saka misplaces a back pass um, to such an extreme that um, nobody's nobody's watching it apart from Andres Pereira, who uh, nicely scooped it with his right foot into the back of the net, put themselves one up after like twenty minutes, twenty seconds. Sorry, it's a horrible, horrible pass, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And I feel for him because that's so silly. Obviously, you should pit, always pick it up way up, but if you look at the position of the back line. <laughs> Somebody should have been there, so he's probably done it with a gut instinct, thinking, I'll play the ball there, move it back, get the ball back up with a long punt, but just the back line was a bit out of position, and he's played it in space, which obviously he shouldn't have done, but I think he's probably been a bit more gut instinct than anything else. Um, and then Pereira goes through, and I actually think... He mischeck's it. I think he goes to dink the keeper, lobs him, mischeck's it, and fucking goes past him to his right. Gosh, I think Ramsdale's gosh. probably. <laughs> I may be being harsh here, right, but I think Ramsdale's probably expecting the, the lob as well. Um, that's why he's running back at pace. Um, but no, um, Phil, the boy, um, see, the, it starts with a P. P- Pelina, um, so he, he got films for the year last year, didn't he? But I thought he was excellent on. Um, on Saturday, um, I think he he's pressing Saka for the first one as well, and I thought he'd done everything uh, for film in the middle of the park, and he obviously popped up with his goal as well. But for for an Arsenal point of view, the the big big question was the mentality. Like, can they see these games out, um, or can they no no can they see these games out? Can they compete to the same level as they did last year? You can't have too many of these slip ups. If you're two one up with three minutes to go, ninety lead champions don't fucking do that. You see Man City at the other side, well, they're one each to go and they pop up with a goal in the 88th minute. That is the difference. So they can't have too much of that. I know Arteta's been kind of thinking with formations and that, but they need to get settled and just hit the ground running. Johnny, that was that was going to be my next question. I, I feel like I'm doing full of a disservice by not talking about them enough, but I think the biggest talking points coming out of that game was actually how Arteta set up. And for those that don't know, um, he started. He didn't start with Enketi. He started with Trossard in the, in the middle of the front three. Um, Thomas Partey was right back, um, and Havertz was in the midfield. And it just doesn't seem to be working at all. It, it just feels like it's unnecessary tanking. What do you think? I said it two weeks ago, mate. I called it. Something is off with, with the Gabriel. Uh, that's why you've got party at right back. That's two, three weeks he's been there. Um, the Trossard one, I don't know. And Ketia, I thought I said last week, I thought he was excellent. Um, so it seems incredibly harsh. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, yeah, I don't really understand why. Um, 
But Gabriel, we've seen it last season before, obviously, Saliba got injured. Probably the best defensive pair in the league up to that yeah. point was Saliba and Gabriel, by probably comfortably. Um, and then suddenly, he's out. it's like he's doing everything with that defence he can to mould it without Gabriel. And he's been on the bench every game. So, yeah, I think, I don't know if there's been a fallout or maybe try to move, force a move. To, remember, there was Saudi club sniffing for a while. Yeah. I don't know, but something's, something's off. Um, and I, I think they're, they're faltering for it. Uh, like you say, it's unnecessary thinking, and it completely moves the shape all over the pitch. So, yeah, I think uh, it was a decent game. Fulham done well. And Ketty again, my boy. Yeah, I got slated. Are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, one one person to highlight that actually probably doesn't get a lot. I say he he's, he he comes on a sub quite a lot. Fabio Vieira, and every oh. time I've seen him come on, he he's he's very direct. He gets in, and he was actually involved in both of Arsenal's goals. Um, I think he did the cross for Ketty's goal, and also won the penalty, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Like. He, he doesn't get deployed, but for some reason he doesn't get to start games either. And I, I'm just asking that question really when, see when he's tinkering and putting people like habits in the midfield, surely Fierre should be putting his hand up and going, right, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, he has had a few chances. Um, seems to be much more impact. That's the best I've seen him for Arsenal. He, was ex- he completely changed that game. Well, he changed mm-hmm. Arsenal's shape anyway. He looked much better once he came on. And as you say, he was involved in everything and he nearly scored the winner. Uh, if it wasn't for a decent save for um, Ramsdale at the back end. So, yeah. Yeah. They done okay, mate. And I did point out as well that you've not really brought up, but <laughs> another yellow card. Bassey, stupid yellow card. <laughs> on a red. Yep. Well, it was Bassis for Bassis was for taking too long with the goal kick, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, there's, there's no arguments for the second one. And the second one was a blatant "Thou shall not pass" with my shoulder. fresh out of WWE. <laughs> yeah. I would be fucking livid if <laughs> one of my centre halves done that. It was so again so stupid, and I mean it's your first real showing in the in the film covers so mm. it just seemed like absolutely bonkers like you say a body checked him but he knows he's been booked and he's been booked for being nothing short of a, a plank <laughs> same thing yeah it baffles me mate absolutely baffles me but yeah sorry kind of tangent but Vieira was excellent mate I think he'd done enough to get a start next week good um, Johnny, I'll stay with you just so you can get the plaudits of uh, talking uh, about the positives that was the Friday night football. Uh, Chelsea got their first three-pointer. Um, not quite the five and six nil you were expecting, but uh, a nice double for Raheem Sterling and uh, a goal for, for Nicholas Jackson to get him off the mark. Happy with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I expected six. <laughs> um, but no, I look... I think anybody looking at that game thought Chelsea have to win that game. And they, should, they did. They did have to win that game. They needed three points. They needed to, to get on the board. With no disrespect to Fulham, uh, with the squad they have, they should be sweeping them aside. First time, well, we watched the game. Uh, we watched that together and we kind of came to the same assumption that, especially the first half, there was loads of huffing and puffing, but there's nothing really hugely clear cut. 
Um, especially Jackson, he looked like Bambi in the headlights. Mm-hmm. It was just legs and arms, and it just looked like he was struggling to actually find his place in the game. But second half, I don't know if Poch has had words, I'm assuming so, they looked far, far better, and they created a hell of a hell of a lot of chances. Should have had more. Um, I have to highlight Chilwell, and he's running through one-on-one and then trying to assist to go through <laughs> two defenders. That that one annoyed me beyond belief, but that's just nitpicking. So I think there was good, there was promising signs in there, mate, especially for the Lord uh, Jackson. And fair play, um, Raheem, who frustrates me a hell of a lot of the time, but he was he was outstanding. He, he had a really good game, and that's two. Last week he was decent as well. Hopefully he can continue that. Tend to forget he's only 28. You know, he's pretty much in his prime. Yeah, so, he should be, yeah. Yeah, if he can find that, even a, a good chunk of the form that we know he's capable of, it could be huge for Chelsea. And Colin, I'll come to you, um, not in a Chelsea, but I know you like talking about Big Ange, um, who who was the early kickoff on Saturday and he got um, a nice three-pointer against Bournemouth. Um, I know you like to sing his praises and be the neutral. What was your thoughts on uh, a Tottenham performance? Before you get me shut down, <laughs> I wouldn't quite, like I, I quite say I like talking about how good a manager Big Ange is, but... Um, as we do try and be as impartial um, <laughs> as we can in this podcast, it's only fairly cool um, when they do well. Um, no, I've, I I thought it was um, thought Spurs what played really really well. Obviously, um, yeah. I did expect a wee bit more for Bournemouth. Um, I thought they started the game fairly well. Um, they they weren't quite blown away by Spurs. First 10 15 minutes is what I thought, but I think eventually it was, it was a comfortable win. Um, I, I don't know if you remember last week, I was thinking this will be a, a maybe potentially a taste of affair, just how Bournemouth applied themselves yep. against uh, Liverpool, but they couldn't quite get going. Um, but no fair play, like it's, I, I think, um, I think the fans are starting to buy into what you know what they're doing, what they're, what they're trying to do. They do create a lot of chances. Um, the loving Madison, didn't they? They are loving Madison, and that's, I think, moving. Oh, also, you don't want to lose your best strikers, but if you do look at the positives of Harry Kane going, it means there is more a focus and goals coming for everywhere on the pitch. And that's what, um, that's what Andrew was asked about afterwards at his press conference, and he did speak about where that we need to put the focus on and getting goals from midfield isn't always something that, um, we you'd associate with Spurs, so two goals for the middle of the park. It's real good, and they created a lot of chances elsewhere. And another day, maybe maybe could have been three or four. But now I think um, that's a big win against um, Man U. Um, solid win against Bournemouth. You're now starting to see it click. Um, I, I think again, no having any European football will just allow them to focus in the league and build up a bit of rhythm. So I think. I think you will start to see the best of them fairly soon. Whether or not they can do that for the full season, because it is high intensity, it is full throttle. We've seen that with Celtic up here, that they do struggle to go for 90 minutes um, for for the most part. So it's a different level of athlete down south. But I think um, I do expect Spurs to go on a bit of a run. It'll be interesting to see how they do around December, January time, though. Yeah. 
Um, Johnny, obviously, honourable men, men, mentions for teams like Aston Villa and uh, who won their game, and Palace, who got a, a well draw, or should I say the nectar draw at Brentford, um, which was real. But I'd, I'd like to draw your attention to what I called the six-pointer last week, which was Wolves um, at Everton. Um, I don't know about you, but you could kind of feel it when you're watching the game the fans felt like it looked the fans looked like it was a six pointer they were they were they kicked every ball they ooed every near miss um and it was wolves that came away with the three points um Everton and shit street didn't they yes and it's absolutely no shock to anybody including Everton fans I I mean it was a, it was a, it was a decent game there was a hell of a lot of chances. Everton had yeah. big chances early on. Um, probably should have took the lead. Then Wolves had a few to sell. The lad Silver scored, but obviously he was offside, but it was close. There was a couple of goals offside, wasn't there? Yeah, they had one uh, Dukuri as well, mm-hmm. and it was Dukuri's was even closer, but they, I mean they were both fairly unlucky. Um, the the sorry the. Um, Aye, so both keepers, they, they both had good games. The ball for Neto for the goal was absolutely sublime. The guy yeah. knew nothing about it, though. I think it came off his shoulder. The um, big lad, Kladzik. That was the one that was yeah. injured on the on the, on the the first pre-season last year. And he was a, I remember watching him at Stuttgart a couple of years ago, and he was tremendous. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see him actually get some game time. Aye, aye. Uh, I mean... Positives for Wolves, like they've not had the best start. They looked okay in the first game and then kind of lost the plot a wee bit. That was a huge game. I know it's very early on. Look, anything can happen, anything can change. But they're the games where you at least want to try and put a stamp on it. And you're at home, you should be taking something. So, yeah, Dice, right now it feels like he's in a sinking ship. Um, it doesn't look like he's getting the support he needs. Let's be honest, if you're a player on the market and you've got a few offers, you really wouldn't be desperate to go to Everton right now. And I say that you with respect. You say that, but they've just signed, I think today they've just announced um, a £30 million deal for a striker that's coming from Udinese called Beto. Um, yeah, I've seen that this morning. I've seen that this morning. Listen, just consider me unconvinced. Yeah. If it proves me wrong, I'll put my hands up, but it just never seems to go well. I don't know where they, what to do or what to change, but at the moment, it, it kind of just feels like there's something rotten. Whatever. Yeah, and Colin, um, obviously from the same game, Johnny called it. There was some really important saves, and I think a big shout out to Jose Saw's one, where he he, he kind of clawed it as he was caught as he was falling back into the net and managed to tip it over. That seemed like a massive, massive turning point in the game for them because it looked like Wolves then started to turn it on and started to get to up up the other end. It was a beautiful save, it really was, yeah. and it, it was a good game to watch despite it only being a one 0 and um. Two teams who desperately could have done with a point, to be fair, never mind three points. But no, Will's fair point. I'm not, I didn't quite expect that. I did expect um, them to, to really struggle here because you, you mentioned that the fans knew it was a six pointer. And Goodson Park and Everton, they it can be a can be a lively ground to go to. Um, and I said last week after Deitch's comments, I thought if anything's draw his inspire or yeah. get the fire in the belly of the Everton players and it's going to be that Wills did ride out a bit of storm and then pushed on in the second half and it was a tremendous role so they did they did deserve it in the end um, 
I just echo what you guys are saying. You do worry for Everton because if that doesn't, if that doesn't inspire, if that doesn't get you going, then what will? And um, I know you're praising both keepers there, but I do just want to call out Jordan Pickford. The <laughs> other goal. <laughs> um, I've never really rated Pickford. I don't see him as the best keeper that England have to offer. I think he's a wee Ned as well, if I'm being honest. Some of the small storms in there, wouldn't it? One thing he does, I don't want to say do well because he's a fucking animal, but he does use this whole rule where the keeper won't won't get a free kick against them unless they bring it up bring out a blade, he hammers folk left, right and centre, yeah. why he doesn't come for that cross and just level everybody in front of him, I don't know, I think he it, it was a calamity here, was like, Patterson has to do better, Tukowski has to do better, but I'm waiting really at Pickford, he is an animal like, he's a thug why is he no leveled that there? He comm- uh, he comm- if I was to give him any kind of praise, he commands his box well, and he didn't mm-hmm. do it in that, in that instance, mm-hmm. and it showed so, uh, no, I fully agree. Um, and they've got, I would say they've got a big game coming up this weekend. Um, so, Everton are away to Sheffield United. So, when you look at their next three fixtures, they're away to Sheffield United. It's Arsenal then, after, isn't it? Yeah, they're at home to Arsenal. Um, and then they're away to Brentford. And you just think, looking at those three fixtures, and you go, right, what's realistic? Like, are you aiming for three, four, six points? You'd be shocked if they got nine. So, um, I think it could be tough. I think it's all going to be dependent on the on the, the people they're bringing into the window. They're obviously looking to do some deals. Um, but we've said that, you know, for all intents and purposes, they did play a lot better this week than what they did last week, and they just couldn't score. So, um, as Johnny said, it depends on how well these strikers do. Uh, Hit the floor running, shall we say? I, I thought Dan Juma was actually all right until he was asked to <laughs> asked to shoot. Um, <laughs> his finish, finish has never been his strong point, um, but it's um, when you've not got somebody playing alongside you. I mean, I'd like to see him and Calvert Lewin play together actually after that, <laughs> but it's not quite an option in there. Um, and Johnny, we, we called it obviously going up to the games this week. There's some tasty fixtures this week. Um, you've got you've got Chelsea at home to Aston Villa. Um, so no, I'm not. I'm, I'm skipped ahead. You've got um, Sheffield. Sorry, Everton away to Sheffield United. You've got um, Brighton at home to Newcastle. You've got Liverpool at home to Aston Villa. You've got Arsenal to home to Man U. Which one stands out? I think it's going to be the Arsenal Man U, isn't it? Uh, no, not for me, mate. Um, I mean, a bit, it's, it's one I'll enjoy watching. I'll look forward to it. But I said Liverpool last week, but I'm, yeah. I'm more interested in that game purely because the pair of them just only know one way, and that's going at for the jugular. So I think that'll be a fun game. Um, probably end up a four-four or something. <laughs> I don't think fun. my heart could take a four-four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and funny enough, it's actually not the live game. So it's a two o'clock game on the Sunday, but you've also got another two o'clock game, and it's Palace and Wolves. So yeah, Palace that's... and Wolves is the live game, and the Liverpool Villa is not the live game. You're gonna have to that's... fire stick that one. Underwhelming, isn't it? And, um... uh... <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, seventeen there's a... goals at Anfield, and we are all watching on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a few so tests cool. for the new boys on the weekend. Yeah. yeah, Burnley. Burnley really need to get something. You know, they really need to try and get on the ball. Um, the They're home to Spurs, aren't they? Yeah, tough game. Um, and Brighton-Newcastle, that one has potential as well. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what to expect for the, either of the teams. Um, 
But I mean, like I say, at the weekend, Brighton, although they lost, they played really well. So that should be a good game. And Colin, what about yourself in terms of fixtures? Which one are you going to be highlighting? I like the look of like coming away for like obviously the Liverpool Arsenal Villa yep. game. Um Brentford and Bournemouth as well. I thought Brentford um You're waiting for Bournemouth to kick into gear, aren't you? Aye, pretty much, man. I <laughs> thought Brentford for uh, quite unlucky at the weekend against Palace. Uh, again, Bournemouth um to play in like they did against Liverpool last week, um, they'll gain them again. Um but no, I think that's probably Probably one of the most even tied ones where both teams will fancy themselves and that might lead to a few goals. So I'll be watching that one with interest. Um, and I don't think we can wrap up the pod without actually talking about what's going to happen at the end of this week. And at the end of this week, we've got the, the, the finalisation to the English transfer window. Um, there's obviously a lot of rumours still kicking about with certain players. Salah, the name one of them. Um, do you see anything big happening on the last day, John? Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of expecting this big roulette thing to start where it's like one person moved from one club and it starts knocking on all around the other ones. And it starts this kind of this knock-on effect. I don't know, mate. There's been a lot of money spent. Most clubs who we thought would have a quieter uh, transfer window, like Chelsea, for example, kind of just went mental. Um, a lot of them have spent a lot of money. Liverpool haven't really spent that much. They might try and dabble. Um, so I don't... I can't see it. City, we know they're, they're, they're looking, so might see movement there. If we're going to see movement, I think there's a chance that we're going to see more attempts for the Saudi clubs with big money to try and move people. I still don't think Salah will go. Um, everything I read about it, when the, you know, when the traction started picking up again midweek there, one of the main outlets for a Saudi um, coverage, sports coverage, uh, they were the ones that claimed that it was back on and they wanted to go. And then they admitted in the afternoon that they were basically talking shit and they had just jumped the gun and basically made up half the story. They kind of put their hands up, but they had got that much traction and they were delighted. Quite ironically, um, about three hours before the Newcastle game, who yeah. they own as well. So I don't, I don't think that one happens. Not this window. I mean, listen, these guys are throwing stupid money. I might get proved wrong, but I don't see it. The talk is that um, Liverpool apparently received an eighty-five million offer cash up front. Um, for Mo Salah that was rejected this morning and there's only a couple of shall we say high profile media journalists that have actually said this um, and Liverpool apparently spoke to Mo Salah and said that we've just flat out declined it and I don't think Mo's angling for the transfer I think he's going to be respective of Liverpool's wishes however this time next year I do believe that that deal's probably back on so I don't see him I think if he was to go now, I think the fans would revolt. Unless it was a stupid offer like 200 million, and I say that loosely, 200 million, 150 million for 31-year-olds would be crazy money. You can't say those just went for 100 and whatever, 115. And here's Salah, one of the best players in the world, easily Mm -hmm. top five, um, still got two years on his contract. 85 million's an insult. No. Yeah, that's not good. It's not going to happen. Simple as that. I don't even think that happens next season. I think next season you're talking three figures. It's going to be over 100 million easily, um, just because of obviously what Mo Salah would mean to that league in terms of, you know, being the poster boy of Asian football, if you like. Um, Colin, we touched on it earlier that um, the the Wolves have done some. Sorry, not Wolves. West Ham have done 
Um, they were struggling to spend the money, um, and now they've got confirmed in Edson Alvarez from Ajax, Mohamed Kudos from Ajax, and James Ward-Prowse. That's, that's pretty much the Declan Rice money spent. I don't know about you, but I kind of like the idea of having those three players over Declan Rice, if I'm honest. What the fuck is going on at Ajax, man? It's like, are they, are they just having a year off? Wait, what's going on? Um, but no, I, I think I, last year we did speak about my, uh, West Ham taking their chances um, and they've added a lot of firepower. Um, Alvarez and Kudus, it's like they've got that... They've got that synergy together, they, they've got a connection, they know how to play with each other. You expect them maybe regular starters. Um, looking at how West Ham are playing, I don't think they're going to try and dominate the ball too much and they are going to look for the fire players to pop up when, in important moments. So it makes sense to add two players like this as well. And Ward Prowse, while he is a wee bit deeper, we've seen the late runs, I think. The late, late runs are going to be big for West Ham this year. Um, so I think they've got. I they've Declan Rice probably by rights is a better player than all three of them. I know he's a different player, but you know, if you've got you've sold a nine out of ten player and brought in three seven out of ten players, that fucking makes sense. Adding a bit of depth um to your squad as well. No, I think they spent the money well. I'm gonna go out on a limb, Johnny, and you'll know my thoughts on this. I'm gonna call Kudos. I think he'll be a nine out of ten. I think he's electric. He's he's a consistent performer in European football. He's brilliant in the World Cup. I think they've absolutely smashed it and got themselves a bargain with him. Yeah, I tend to agree, mate. Um, I would probably say it's not a kind of player I would link with West Ham. Yeah. Um, that surprised me a lot. That did. Yeah, especially the way they set up usually. And as Collins just touched on the last two weeks, especially. They've been taking pretty much all pressure offered and then just being lethal on the counter-attack and very, very clinical. And if they can if they can keep that going, he, he's perfect for that mode. Mm-hmm. Um, a counter-attacking player, um, and like you say, his dynamite is fast. He's just a, a very, very talented footballer. So I just hope he does well. I would hate to see it go to waste. And Johnny, just staying with you, um, early reports are that um, City have made a second bid for Matthias Nunes at Wolves. That's apparently been rejected. Um, the talk is that they've offered £48 million, but they're holding out for £60 million. And as a result, Nunes has decided not to train and won't train until the transfer is forced through. As you called it earlier, one-man picket line. That's inevitably going to happen now, isn't it? Uh, I just got this vision here. I'm standing outside the training centre with a sign shouting at every player goes past, scab, <laughs> scab, scab. Yeah. It's ridiculous, mate. Players are such prima donnas, man. It's terrifying. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a, surpri- I was a surprise that City went for him. I still am. Um, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm being unfair. I just, I just don't know if he's the fit for them. Um, but, I mean, yeah, when players start doing that, I suppose it depends on the owner. Some owners will just say, look, you're contracted. We can pretty much do what we want. You can throw a hissy fit. And if you don't want to play football for three years or whatever, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, we know rules like money, though. Um, they are a selling club. So, I mean, I think they're pretty saying that they're willing to let them go. Just give us the 60 million we want and you can have them. So I think that's what it's going to take. And that's kind of been the way of it with the transfer window. A lot of clubs are standing on the ground now. 
Uh, we've seen it quite a lot. So it looks like chances are it will happen. Um, Colin, um, Spurs are still looking to add. Um, surprisingly, they're not looking. It doesn't look like they're trying to add a number nine because Richie Olsen can't play the position, but um, they are looking to add a bit of depth. For the talk is, is that they're making inquiries about uh, Brendan Johnson um, from Nottingham Forest and apparently been quoted anything between 50 to 60 million. That sounds awfully inflated, doesn't it? Aye, you're selling Johnny. We're speaking a couple of minutes ago about any big deals, and I, I don't see any major key players moving um, from clubs around Europe. But I do think there'll be a hyperinflation for you know medium to average players. Um, and uh, Brennan Johnson, not he gave him too much to service. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential, but that's exactly the type of player where we're going to see going for mental money, um, where it doesn't really justify it. I think there'll be a lot of that um, from Saudi as well. I think Saudi will buy in a lot of you know, above average players for that level, spend too much money for them. And we'll see that in England as well. The, the type of signing is very much a um, an Ange signing. I'm, I'm really conscious about um, saying his name now that you've said that in case anybody <laughs> thinks I'm, I'm sitting here with my fucking hoops on. Um, but you, you look at you look at Johnson over his career. He's played what the, the front six positions. He's had regular game time, and every one of them can play either side of the wing, number nine, behind a striker, further deep as well. He, he's what maybe a a one in four. Um, Goals, goals. four goals um, per game. Decent signing. And if you look at what they're trying to do, they're trying to have a bit of fluidity, players that can play across the pitch, change within games and pop up with goals. So I can see uh, why that makes sense. It's just mental money. It really is. But yeah. we say that every year, don't we? It's just the money well, keeps on going up and up and we keep on getting shocked and shocked. I think he I fits. Would... Sorry, mate. I think Johnson fits with Spurs. I really I'd do. Do. I like him. I like him. Um, I think I agree with Colin. I think there's a hell of a lot of potential there. I think Ange is probably the perfect manager to get more out of him. And let's not forget where he has played, he's done well. Mm-hmm. Probably on a hell of a lot less chances. He's going to get a lot more dispersed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it is inflated. Absolutely, it's inflated. But we're seeing that everywhere. Um, we were talking about how it might go that way. It already is going that way. I mean, look, mm-hmm. there's Archer. What's Archer went for? Is it 20? 20 he's never yeah. kicked the ball. I think he's played a League Cup game. Balogun, one season in France, and never played for Arsenal. Fifty million pounds. It's yeah. absolute bonkers. Casado, one season, hundred and fifteen mm. million. It's it's crazy, and it's only going to get worse. I think the merry-go-round will probably be more around the French players. So if you look at Tottenham as an example, so for some reason. Uh, Postacoglu decided he wants nothing to do with people like Eric Dyer, um, Hoiberg, who you know Pierre Hoiberg, who was played every pretty pretty much every game for Tottenham last season. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of get loaned out to like Man, Man United, for example. Um, you know, looking for another midfielder to go alongside Casemiro. Um, you've got Harry Maguire. You know, I think it's going to be more of these kind of players that are probably going to go um, and fill in gaps elsewhere. Um, even Liverpool. Liverpool are apparently still looking for two players. At this point of the window, I'm not very optimistic um, because I would often anticipated our deals would be done by now, but hey-ho, we are in the window that we're in. Um, so I don't think it'll be a crazy rush, but I think there will be a bit of a merry-go-round of clubs swapping players in terms of loans. Um, 
with a view to buy, shall we say. I think another one was confirmed today, Johnny, that was um, Lukaku will not be going to um, Chelsea. Sorry, won't be going to Tottenham, but he's actually going to Roma. Um, that looks all but done and dusted. It's kind of a sad affair, isn't it? The, the way he's kind of limped out of England, but can't really blame anybody for getting rid of him after the interview he did to, you know, to, to kind of alienate the Chelsea fans. Yeah, he shot the bed, mate. There's no other yeah. word for it. Um, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. I don't know what the Italian link is. It came from nowhere. Yeah, it was just like, it was only a few weeks prior to that how he was buzzing to be back. Mm-hmm. He loved the club. He had been there for a long time and he span all the usual bullshit that you hear for players. And then three weeks later, he's doing that um, live on Sky Sports as well. So it was it was crazy. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's maybe a girlfriend or a partner and um early or there must be there has to be a link somewhere because the fact that he was at Inter and then I never knew this, Jamie had told me earlier apparently had caused a bit of unrest there, so he got moved on, tried Juventus, Juventus actually held a coup and said if he comes here we're gonna burn the place down. So he couldn't go there, so now he's went to Roma. So it's like a total desperation to stay there. I wish well, Chelsea could just sell him and just be done with it. Do you remember he got red carded for protesting against the Juventus fans who were basically making racial chants against him? But mm, at some yeah, point yeah, this yeah. season, he was trying to engineer a move to Juventus. That just makes no sense, does it, Colin? I really don't know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, if let's not be around the bush. Italian um, football fans aren't always the most reasonable when there's a game of football on, is there? Um, they're not always going to really listen to a, a, a diplomatic conversation. When they when they take a dislike to you, they take a dislike to you. To put yourself back in that scenario, I know, like, I know he's he's definitely not got a Juventus now. Um, but even if you go back in that week, there must be something there. Ah, he must like love this strand or something, Johnny, as you say. Or he's got a girlfriend. I, I don't know. Like, um, it is, but I think with, with Chelsea, for, for a Premier League point of view, we know how mental Chelsea is in general. The less carnage and fucking wild off the pitch stuff they can they can have, the more they can move that on, the better. Yeah, I don't know what it says when you. I, I can't think of too many players that have had a coup staged on a trading pitch against you signing. I've seen it for managers, but never a, an actual player, which is absolutely crazy. But the fact that you now want to go back to that country and you know set up shop there just I just baffles me. So, um, maybe maybe Mourinho will get a tune out of him again, um, over at Roma. Um, so we've covered last week's game. We covered the upcoming games. We covered the transfer window. Um, we 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 have obviously had a fancy football weekend as well. Um, and, and not to not to obviously pinpoint people out, um, but was there any surprises with the fancy football, Johnny, in terms of players that got points that we didn't expect, or was there, or was there some disappointing blanks from players? If you want disappointing blanks, I can just read you my team right now if you want to get that out of the way. Um, surprise. Matty Cash, that was a surprise. Never expected that. Was that. Was yeah, you've done excellent. Um, there was a few. There was a few, but I think he was probably the standout. Blank-wise, your Man United guys, like, especially on Anna, that was, that was a sucker. Mm-hmm. Did not expect that. I felt like they would get the clean sheet at the never. Um Stupinan, yeah, it's probably the main ones, at least for me, they're the main ones. 
Foden I getting dropped, that, that that really, really grinds my gears. Still does. Well, <laughs> can you can guess I, that I've got? Can you guess that I own him? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't think he was dropped. I think there was talk that um he had to travel oh. down separately because he had the cold and flu. So oh. uh, he started him from the bench instead. You um, never had the flu. Him. You didn't sit on the bench with the flu. I'm not buying that. You're not peddling that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that 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 was kind of the the shockers. But um, we move on, mate. We move on. Colin, what about yourself in terms of fancy football? Did you play? Did you make a trade in the end? Did you use your chips? What did you do? Um, I put Edward back on. Um, I, I transferred him in because he got a goal the week before, and I fancied him. Had a couple okay. of chances as well, but no. <laughs> No points for me for him. Um, no, I think I got two points or something for him. Um, I did have, I've been swapping my captain between Haaland and Nunes, and okay. I put it back on Haaland. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have Nunes, and I was sick as a fucking pig. But I did put Madison back in as well, um, okay. and he got me a few points, um, 10 points he got me that. So, Hi, um, happy. Um, um, despite um, getting six more points than I did last week, I have moved down ten places. Um, so, what was your point. weekly tally? What was your weekly total? Sorry, forty-two. We're up. Okay. Oh, I should say gusto, gusto. I'm going to put this in here now before you jump on it, Royals. Gusto surprised <laughs> me as well. I know Gusto surprised you because you were effing and blinding him every time he got on his assist. Because <laughs> you knew I had him at my team. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, I did pop my wild card, so um, I, I did kind of start the, the the week with a fresh a fresh team, if you like. But um, Gusto, I did well with Madison. I did well with um, and Saka. Obviously, got a penalty. Um, so I did pretty well. I finished on 69 points with a wild card. Um, so I'll take that um, going into the next week. Um, um, any any changes you're going to be making this week, Johnny? Yeah, I'm going to start with a lighter on a tin of petrol. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, make, I'll, I'll change something, mate. Uh, again, I don't like the... I'm not keen on the Arsenal uh, Man United fixture. Yeah, I'll stay away from that one. Well, I've got three invested in Arsenal, which is probably the way to go, at least two. But I think um, I'll remove one. Probably be Martinelli. Okay. That would probably be my move. Um, it's at the stage now, mate, where you know you get the early players rushing away and having a really great start and just sitting mm-hmm. maybe one or two of them and you want as many as you can, but it's just not viable. So. And if you were to let Martinelli yeah. go, who are you looking at? Um, I don't know. I don't know, Jamie. Um, I, I honestly not sure on my bank total. I mean, the 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 knee-jerk reaction would be Sterling, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It's another good fixture this week. I don't think it's an easy fixture, though. I think Forrest will definitely give Chelsea a game. Um, another alternative for the same cost would be Jared Bowen at West Ham. They're away to Luton. I think he's about the no. same cost as, as Sterling, isn't he? Yeah, I mean the West Ham lads are forcing themselves into the the the, the conversation. The conversation, there. yeah. Yeah, so I'd say yeah, Bo- Bones a good show. I like Madison too. Probably should have started with him. I never, um, maybe one of the two of those. And Colin, what about yourself? Have you have you looked that far ahead? No, yeah, I, I tend to look when the deadline is, and I will <laughs> remember to put ten minutes before, but. Um, just went ahead of the fixtures, and I don't know. Like you boys know, I'm very new to this whole Premier League um, thing. Um, 
that's uh, not don't spend the weekend the EPL. I've never done it before. Um, yeah. I'm probably just looking ahead to the fixtures and who I fancy for most goals. That's the tactics I'm going to go. So I think I'm going to. I do fancy Madison for another goal against Burn, Burnley at least. Um, I'm mm-hmm. looking at West Ham against Luton. I'm not liking Luton at all. And I, I wonder if West Ham can maybe do a wee bit of damage there. So I might start thinking about. But at the same time, oh. if you look at West Ham's attackers, Antonio's no fucking... <laughs> he's no... I think the conversation will be about when they load Kudus into the game and what cost mm-hmm. he'll be. Because uh, yeah, he, he, he might not start the game, but he'll probably come off the bench and might have a bit of an impact. You know, you could see that game, early game on a Friday night, being nil-nil for half-time and needing something to come on and change. And, you know, if you've got firepower like that sitting on your bench, then I would anticipate he's going to be roughly about seven million and they'll play him in midfield. Um, so I think that will be an alternative for, for a lot of people if they are looking to drop people like Martinelli, for example. Yeah. Um, Just bear in mind, especially if you're new, there is a lot of points in defence as well. Yeah. Um, if you can get defence right, um, last season especially, defence kind of dominated the points. Though, uh, yeah. There was a hell of a lot there. It can be difficult to nail, obviously, because slip one goal and your points go to shit. But yeah, having the right defenders, or at least having three, Three really solid defenders is, I would say, staple. Well, to put that into context, so you've got Gusto, for example, who was sitting at four million, nice cheap deal. He's always going to play because Reese James is injured. Um, he actually finished on fourteen points because he got a clean sheet and he got two. He got two assists of the three goals. So um, that's why Johnny was cursing me on the Friday night because I'd already got that head start, if you like, because I had Chilwell and Gusto in my team. Um, you know, the points do come from the defenders if they get clean sheets. Um, you know, if you can get a solid back line, then that's the majority of where your points will come from. I would say you chase the points, you don't chase the goals because you can get points for, for example, um, man of the match. You know, you get additional points, you get additional points for assists and stuff like that as well. Um, Colin, you're going to do a follow up to the, the Premier, the Fancy Football League, aren't you? Um, just to wrap up the month. Yep. Um, so, as um, as we announced at the start of the season, um, there will be cash prize for the overall winner at the end of the season and a, um, a manager of the month prize as well. So, um, I will announce if everybody can go and look and see where they are in the league. But I'll do a wee bit of a recce where um, all the podders are sitting, name and shame, uh, where, where, how far down the thousand and one hundred strong list we are <laughs> and announce the winner and get in contact but just a reminder if you're not following the pod or you're not listening and I can't contact you then it's going down the next place and if I need to go down to the 900th until somebody answers me then so be it um, if you don't get Are you going to put a time limit on, the, on them getting back to you? Um, I so probably aye. if I if I put out the more they've got until until the end of the weekend, I'd say. Um, I, I mean, I'm just assuming everybody, <laughs> oh, there's 1,100 people <laughs> all listen to the podcast. Why would they fucking not? Why would Best they not? Best content you'll get. Okay. Well, listen, guys, it's been a grand having you back on. As I said, we wanted to get the pod done early this week so you guys can enjoy your European football adventure this weekend, as uh, well this week. Um, but, Johnny, it's been brilliant having you on. Sorry, I was still looking at my FPL, getting more angry from closing. <laughs> uh, no, listen, thanks for having me again, lads. I really enjoyed the chat. Um, hopefully see you guys next time. Thank you.
Good man. And Colin, as ever, it's always great to get your input on uh, the non-biased approach when it comes to English football, where I'm obviously massively biased. Yeah. See, I can be objective, even when I'm talking about this Farmers League that is English Premier League. <laughs> I can be objective. But no, thanks for having me on. Um, always a pleasure, gents. Good. Um, we'll wrap that up then, guys. We'll speak to you this time next week. And by then, we'll have a closed transfer window and we'll have another round of games under our belts. Until next week, guys. Catch you later. Thank <laughs> you.